Hello, and welcome to the Amber Stitt Show. I am your host, Amber Stitt, and I am obsessed with helping people get their financial and personal lives in order. Every week, my guests and I explore the fundamentals and practices that will help you stay on top of your game in business, but also at home. I believe we all have different pathways we have to take to reach our peak performance so that we can live up to our peak potential. And this podcast is dedicated to helping you get there. I'm excited to share the insights and habits that my guests and I have cultivated throughout our lives so that we can help you on your journey towards a happy, successful, and fulfilling life. Let's jump right into today's show. Hello, and welcome to the Amber Stitt Show. I am your host, Amber Stitt, and today we welcome back my friend, Richard Simon, back to the show. Thank you for being here, oh, of Richard. Of course. Thanks for having me again. So for those of you that haven't met Richard yet on a previous episode that we have on the podcast, he is the co-founder of AZ Lending Experts, and we're diving into the topics of how to get money smart, focusing on money, and I thought the topic of really the market. I mean, you can't go wrong with that topic these days. So I thought you and I would have a a good discussion for the audience in the way of how to prepare for things like this, because um, you and I have seen a couple rounds of the market changing in our lifetime. And we're not too old, but you know, we're we've known each other for 20 years. So, I mean, we've have seen a little bit in our experience. And so in our last episode, we talked about mortgages and terms and how to really think of that as a tool for retirement. But today I feel like we, I'd like to calm some nerves if, if possible and talk about what we have seen. And especially through your eyes, as people are coming to you, probably with a different attitude than previously, like in the last six months. So let's start, I'll pass the mic, let you talk a little bit about what AZ Lending Experts does, but then let's dive into some of um, what you're, what you're seeing based upon your experience from the past to present. Perfect. Yeah, sounds great. So um, again, co-founder of AZ Lending Experts. Uh, been in the mortgage industry since about 2002, 2003. Uh, worked with Amber years ago. And we actually worked together mm-hmm. up until I think the market crashed is really when we you yeah. know, when, when we were working together. So we've saw the crash of 2008, yeah. which was one of the biggest you know housing crashes that we've ever seen and uh, lived through that. So yeah. Certainly have some experience mm-hmm. uh, in regard to the ups and downs and uh, market swings in the real estate market. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot to share. Obviously, we've seen our market changing quite a bit this year alone. So excited to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of noise, but that's fair. I mean, there's a lot of information out there. So um, I guess we could start with, I mean, is there a way to really recession-proof our lives? Because I think they say that by the time you even know you're in a recession, by the time they post the numbers, you're probably already in one. I think that's what's happened to us. And so I don't know that everyone's felt it the same. I mean, is there a way to really recession proof when we're, when it comes to investments in, in real estate? I think there is. I mean, I think that the biggest thing to keep in mind is, you know, so many people think like, oh, we have to time the market. We have to time the market. And I think that's a huge misconception, Right. I don't think you need to time getting into the market. I think it's more important to time getting out of the market. And when you time, when you look at timing getting out of the market, if you're diversified, sure, you might need to get out of one market when it's down. But if you're diversified enough, you have other opportunities to get out at the very top. 
I think that's just important okay. for people to keep yeah. in mind is, you know, and I'll give a brief example to that. Back in 2007, uh, I bought a house in 2007, paid 305000 for it. And this was right when the market crashed. And I remember looking at that okay. house a year later, that same house was worth like 175, 176,000. And I'm like, oh boy, what oh. am I going to do now? But looking, those are just numbers, just numbers. right? I mean, I mean, if you look at it today, that house is worth almost 500,000. So if I just said I bought yeah. a house in 2007 and today it's worth 500 you know, for 305 and today it's worth 500,000, you'd look at it and say, great investment. Yeah. I feel like we, we do have to be a little patient and we live in a world, we have so many options and custom, you know, immediate gratification. And we just have to let things kind of take its course. Mm -hmm. And I did have my securities licenses and I'm, I'm, um, no longer have those licenses. I'm fully insurance planning. But when I talk with my colleagues that still manage money, they do say you can't time mm -hmm. the market. And we want to believe that. I mean, there's just a little part of us. that's like, if I just do this one thing, but Overall, historically, we can see even when I go do charting and we're looking at historicals up in like the drawdowns, there's a lot more ups than there are downs. And I think it's just it's a, it can be really emotional. So when it's bad, it just feels so much worse. But if we can kind of be patient with um, ourselves, but back to diversifying and if I take it back to the principles of pathways of peak performance, I mean, if we're building money goals based upon the personality that we all have as an individual applying principles that will help us, you know, stay up within really good habits, then diversifying real estate can be one of those amazing things. And so I don't know if this makes any sense, but how do you feel about the, the phrase of cash is trash? <laughs> Have you heard people say that? I actually haven't heard people say that. <laughs> but basically you don't want to leave just cash out there sitting out there. So I'm sure some planners would say, you know, you, you need to have the three to six months of a cash cushion. And I say that also for those of my clients that have disability mm -hmm. insurance, there's waiting periods before those will kick in. But I'm glad that's, it's funny that you're laughing about that. I read that somewhere online. And so cash is trash. I think what they're alluding to is that real estate is one of the few things you can actually put money into that generally builds equity. I mean, would you agree with Certainly. that? Certainly. And I think passive income too, you start to look for certain investments and investment opportunities where you can you know, put your money into and that you're not only going to have the potential for, you know, uh, equity growth, but that you can also, you know, cash flow monthly. If you're renting the place out, if you're doing it with Verbo, long-term rents, there's a lot of options where you can make that and turn that yeah. into passive income. I mean, you and I are going to talk more about Verbo commercial and some of that based upon your experiences and what you're, you have done personally and with, with your clients as well. But would you agree that strategies when it comes to this thinking about financial planning and lending and mortgage and leverage, do you have to be super just financially sophisticated to do these strategies? Can somebody dive into this and not have a financial background? Certainly can. I mean, I think, you know, if, if you're at the point where you're ready to invest and you start looking at different investments, whether it be real estate or investing in the stock market, you already, obviously you're already pretty smart, you know, to be thinking and planning in that way. And so I, I tell people a lot of times, you just have to trust your instincts. You have to trust your gut. You don't need to know everything, but you'll know enough. You'll, you'll be able to tell yourself, is this a good investment? Is it not a good investment? Even when you're listening to all the outside influences, people just need to listen to themselves, right? right? You know, if you're already at this point, yeah. you're going to know. 
There's something that you say that always, I, there's some sentence that you say, and it comes back to rates. Do you know what I'm talking about? You've mentioned yeah, so it. It's, uh, we always say that you date the rate, <laughs> you marry the house, right? And that's just because I mean, it's become popular right. this year because interest rates have gone up so fast, right? And actually we're at a point where now interest rates are still going up, but home prices are coming down. It's going to create a lot of buying opportunities for people. Some people are hesitant to get into the market because mm -hmm. of where interest rates are. But we always tell them that, you know, nobody knows for certain what interest rates are going to do, but you're not ever yeah. tied to that interest rate. If, if this is as this could be as bad as it gets, right? So rates could be high. You buy now, interest rates drop, mm -hmm. you refinance to a lower rate and great. Now you're, now you're even right. cash flowing more. You have you know much lower payment. It allows for a lot of different options with regard to that property. Let's say they don't. Let's say that they keep going higher. You're going to be glad you bought now and okay. kept that rate, right? So you're That's not necessarily point. tied to the rate, but it, you always have insurance when it comes to rates and buying a house with that rate. Did you see a lot of people, I know back in 08, when we worked mm -hmm. together, a lot of people were buying a lot of house, more than they could afford. With a lot of people working from home, it makes sense. People want more space. Did you see a lot of people going again bigger than they probably should have? I mean, any thoughts? And we're not talking about any clients right, specifically. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the behavior come back? Not like it was before. Not like it was before. I think back then, I think the difference was is that you could buy a home with, I mean, we were doing stated loans left and right. I mean, stated loans were the way that people would come in and say, I'm just going to state my income. I want to buy as big of a house as I can because they wanted to flip that house. They wanted to buy it, hold it for a couple of months, and then just turn around and sell it right away. That's what a lot of people were getting into the market to do. Yeah. So they really didn't care. They wanted the biggest house possible because they figured that was going to give them the biggest return. They were going to make the most money on those homes. Um, I, mm. I haven't really seen that this time around. Most of the people that I've been helping, you know, buy homes for the last several years, you know, we usually have the discussion of this is the max you can qualify for, but what are you comfortable paying? And then we'll kind of bring that down into where their comfort level is. And that's where they'll actually go out and start looking for a home. That's good. Yeah. And in, in our previous episode, we've talked about some of those strategies. You kind of lay it out on the table and you probably look at what's the max, but you try to find something lower and, and assuming that it's not such a hot market that you just have to keep throwing out these crazy numbers just to win the right. house. But going back a little bit, stated loans, what is it literally you say I make 80,000 a year. Okay. And then they run the credit score. How do they do that? You know, it used to be that way. So it's not that way anymore. Stated loans now, we really don't have stated loans now. I mean, the closest thing to yeah, it is for someone who's self-employed, they're now allowing there's bank statement loans where they can actually, instead of using uh, downside for a self-employed person is now they have to show tax returns and you average out two years based on the net years. income from the business tax returns. Well, anybody who owns a business knows the goal, one of the goals or privileges of being self-employed, the benefits is that you get to write <laughs> off as much as you can because you're taking yep. the risk of owning and running the business. So the IRS gives you certain write-offs that you can take and show a little bit of a lower income. But when it comes to qualifying mm -hmm. for a house, it really hurts a lot of people. So they've come up with another yeah. product where for someone who's self-employed, they can actually use bank statements and they'll look at deposits over the last 12 months, the last 24 months, okay. and they'll actually use that as income uh, in, in order for somebody to qualify. Yeah. I was hearing on Clubhouse and a couple other places that the self-employed, there are some additional opportunities for that income. Is it still, you need to be within the same profession for two years to allow for that two-year average? 
For self-employed, yes. Okay. Yeah. With, with disability insurance, when I have residents or fellows go to practice and if they're, they are private practice 1099, or maybe they have some 1099 income working with hospitals. And when we say net income, they always, what, what does that mean? I need a PL. What is that? <laughs> and so even if they're not writing off a bunch, there are sometimes in my world with the insurance underwriters, they might factor in a percentage of expenses for the 1099 person even if they're not writing off a ton, some emergency medicine, they just contract, but they're not writing off cars and businesses and buildings. So that can surprise people. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but yeah, that's good to know that there's, there's, um, I mean, obviously since times have required more documentation, it makes sense to have proper, um, loan guidelines now. Um, but yeah, we had talked about loan terms and then just other things you can do to kind of look at the picture today and then, um, you know, even I guess a good question for you too is with the great resignation, meaning a whole bunch of people have gone out of work, not necessarily to just not work. They might've changed businesses. Have you seen a lot of people come in with a job change in the last two years? We, we have. I mean, one of the things that we've seen is we've seen a lot of remote workers moving to Arizona. I mean, it's one of the markets. We look okay. at certain markets and you look at the affordability of a market, you know, especially from affordability standpoint back in maybe the end of 2020 or 2021. And you saw a lot of people in our market, we've seen a lot of people come from California, a lot of people come from Washington or Oregon. Okay. And what they're doing is they're just moving places that are more affordable. Um, let's use San Francisco mm -hmm. as an example, right? Someone who may be not be able to afford a home in San Francisco, um, just because prices are so high out there, they can actually come to the Phoenix market. They can afford a very nice home here. And they're looking at jumping on a Southwest flight if they ever need to go back for a meeting, you know, every now and again, right. and it costs them nothing. So then they can have this nice home for their family. Uh, but we've seen a lot of that. We've seen a lot of people that have moved over uh, and, and have come to Arizona uh, because they're now working remote. Are these people then taking the difference of that mortgage, what they're used to, or maybe some equity from the California home and buying a second home too? I think that's probably a lot of what we're seeing or what we've seen as far as driving up home prices is a lot more people have come into the market and become investors, uh, you know, in the real estate market over the mm -hmm. last couple of years. And that's played a lot into the low inventory that we had, um, you know, the, the buying frenzy that we saw. So that certainly played mm -hmm. into it. Interesting. So I think just to wrap this up today, I always like to take a proactive approach with, with the planning. And it comes from starting with yourself, kind of seeing how you handle um, things on the home front. How organized are you? You know, what are things that we can do to really just know our behaviors so we're not super emotional with the things that can happen in the market? Because I think both, both of us could agree that th this is not going to be the last time. So how do we make smart decisions based upon the tools and resources that we have. And I know that your team is very helpful to really walk people through it and not just, um, you know, sometimes with online brokers, it's just, mm -hmm. you know, numbers and then that's all you get. But I feel like you have some counsel there and you guys, both you and your partner, we haven't talked about Scott. I've known Scott for a long time too. Really dive into looking at the whole picture. And you guys also have some fun approaches on your YouTube channel too that people can check out when it comes to, I think you post things that are up and coming. So there's some market news on your YouTube channels as Correct. well. So how else can people find you? Uh, well, so we're on YouTube. Um, it's AZ Lending Experts LLC. Uh, there's also Richard Simon Mortgage on YouTube. We have uh, both you know Facebook and Instagram accounts. Uh, the Facebook and Instagram accounts for myself are Simon Home Loans. Um, mm -hmm. 
So that's how you can find us. But we do. I mean, we take a, we try to take a different approach. We always say in a general sense, we believe mortgages are boring. Most people don't want to learn or know about a mortgage unless they have to. So we try to. Just like insurance. Woo, so much fun. Everyone wants to talk to us. (laughs) So we try to add a little fun into the education piece of it just to give them, you know, try to capture and hold attention for a little bit longer. Yep. Well, no, I appreciate your, your tips and it's great to always connect and talk about not so much war stories. We just have things that happen and we'll get through it, but we just have to take it. I think be a little patient, use the tools and resources and um, maybe keep it diversified. You can't go wrong there, right? Okay. So we'll have more to come in future episodes, but for today, I think that's a great place to land. And thanks Richard. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of the Amber Stitch show. For more information about the podcast, books, articles, and more, please visit me at amberstitt.com. Until next week, enjoy your journey at home and at work. Thank you for listening.